Hi everyone and welcome to episode 63 of SAMA. SAMA is a program which invites an expert to talk about their area of expertise. Today we're lucky to have Sheree Tutkis with us to tell us about the health benefits of medicinal CBD and of medicinal cannabis. Sheree is a registered nurse who suffered a health crisis in 2012. Her health began spiraling downwards. Prescribed medication did not help in her struggle and she then discovered the health benefits of medicinal cannabis. So welcome to our show, Cherie. Please tell us about your path to recovery. All right. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm very grateful to have this platform to share. Um, I just want to start off by saying that my expertise in cannabis comes from my personal experience, and it comes from my journey and how I've used it to heal myself. And my experience working with my patients and how it's made a difference in their lives um, by relieving suffering and improving quality of life. So my journey started, I've been a nurse since um, 1988. I graduated from Boston College in Massachusetts uh, with my bachelor's in science and nursing. And I have had a wonderful career. I've worked all over um, the city of Boston, um, taking care of patients from pediatrics to geriatrics had a wonderful position and um, I ended up getting very sick. I went from high functioning, single mother of three. I have a child that has a disability, high functioning to not functioning at all, um, complete disability. I almost died and the illness that I had affected my internal immune system in my gut. And what happened was is I developed a series of um, immune um, disorders because I wasn't absorbing nutrients. So it was one problem after another, after another, one medication after another, after another. I became one of those patients they call polypharmacy. So, and basically the medications weren't working. So patients will say to me, you know, why were you, people say, well, why are you taking them? Because I was afraid not to take them. So the story goes along the lines of, chronic pain, debilitating disease, high functioning to no functioning, a lot of medications, it started to affect my mental health. So not only was my physical health suffering, it started to creep over into my psychological, my social and my spiritual health. Um, I've always been a practitioner that has engaged in alternative healing. Um, I consider myself to be a holistic nurse, mind, body, spirit, um, the whole, I believe in all of it and I know all of it to be true to work for working. But when I got that sick, all of those tools that I was using, meditation, yoga, exercise, um, I did chiropractic care, acupuncture, even supplements and nutrition, all of it went out the window. It was as if it didn't exist anymore because there was so much pain glaring and I couldn't get out of my own way. Was this similar to Crohn's? Disease? It was. It was it, very similar. It, it, I would we'll call, we'll call it Crohn's. It wasn't. It was an infectious disease that I acquired while working, but the same mechanisms and what I was experiencing. If you want me to get gory and detailed, I can. But severe, <laughs> severe, severe gastrointestinal um, problems, up and down, and not knowing when, and bloating, and difficulty eating, and having nausea, not wanting to eat, being starving feeling like your body's eating itself, the fatigue, the weakness, the dehydration, 
it was horrible. I mean, I'm a tall, thin woman anyways, but can you imagine me 20 pounds thinner? And this was me wow. putting in weight. I mean, you can, you know. <laughs> so so all, all of it went out the window. Now, I always understood cannabis recreationally, and I didn't understand it medicinally. So basically, my health deteriorated to the point where I was so depressed. I was anxious. I was afraid to leave my home. I didn't know how to interact with people. I was pretending to feel good, which is exhausting. I couldn't sleep because I was in pain. I knew I had a lot to live for, but I didn't feel like it. So having the polarity of emotions of knowing and feeling completely opposite is, is, is it, my spirit, I didn't have, down, down the tubes, I call it, I was spiraling the drain. So I understood cannabis. Cannabis has become, um, became medically um, acceptable in Massachusetts um, in 2012. I had to wait till I was really, really sick really sick, 2014, 15, because I started to develop auto, other autoimmune conditions before I started to delve into medical cannabis. So for three years, you were going down. That's, that's terrible. Yeah. Three years, you're tolerating this condition. Three years, and uh, yeah, three years. And, and the, dep the depression is beyond, beyond belief. Um, everything is an effort. You feel like when, when you, it's, it's, I was grieving my life, going from high functioning to not functioning, to not being able to take care of my kids, to not being able to enjoy the simple things, washing dishes, doing laundry, taking a shower, going to the grocery, that stuff was hard. And stuff that we take for granted was stuff that I couldn't do anymore. And that was depressing. And I felt like a burden. I felt like a failure. What did I do wrong? What did I do to deserve this? And I was stuck in the trajectory and the story of suffering. And when you're stuck there, it's hard, it was, it's hard to pull out. So what ended up happening was, is a friend of mine who was a nurse came over and she rolled a joint and I smoked it. And boy, I'm telling you, I felt good. <laughs> I felt really good. But it wasn't good enough for me to function. It wasn't, so here, I'm gonna step into how I teach. Cannabis can be used three ways. Medically, recreationally, and irresponsibly. I grasped how to use it recreationally because when I did smoke, I felt really good. But not in the good that I wanted to feel where I could engage and perform and live life. It was like, I felt really good to sit around and, you know, and to you know, relax and it relieved pain, but not the way I'm functioning now. So I, something clicked. I was like, this works. It's almost as if the cannabis bridged a gap to mind and um, body. So I was able to start seeing things from a different perspective. So in the United States, you know, we're, I ended up getting my medical card because it's federally illegal. Massachusetts became um, medically legal in 2012 and in 2016 became recreationally legal. So the stigma around cannabis is grotesque. It's, re it's really horrible. And the more I learn about it, the more I realize I don't know, and the more compelled I am to learn and to teach, because the more I learn, the more I'm responsible for at the same time. 
this changed my life. I delved into the cannabis plant. I delved into cultivation. I delved into what is this plant? What does it do? What can it do for me? What is it about it that is so scary to people? Um, and I experimented. I became my best experiment. And, I, and, and it took me about a year and a half to figure out how to use it medically. And when I say medically, I mean in the way where I can get up and function. I can get up and take a shower and wash my hair and make breakfast and get the kids off. And I can work again. And I can take care of myself. And I can do the things that normal people used to do. That I used to do that normal people do. So I'm not trying to say. No, I think you're right. The first time normal people used to do that. <laughs> yeah, they just let the dishes pile up and, yeah. and just watch TV in the morning. Yeah. So I delved into it and I learned. And, and, and in the process of learning, I learned more about myself. So I, I trusted and I still believe in traditional medicine to a certain degree, but we've been so disempowered. And I believed and trusted in the system and I gave my power away and I was left feeling powerless. And it was that toking of that joint that actually helped me pull back out of my suffering and to help me just for the moment in the glimpse of time, give me hope that there is another way. And why would they approve of cannabis medically if there wasn't something to it, right? I mean, there's no such thing as medicinal alcohol. <laughs> Right? Alcohol can only be used two ways, recreationally and irresponsibly. So, you know, you and start... Go ahead. And, sterilis and sterilization as well, which is, which is truly, you know, what, what, the, uh, what the doctors use. Shri, sure. yes, you're saying about it's not, right. it's not actually uh, so, legal in many places, is it? Yes, no. Right. So, and that's, and that's the part too, is, is um, mm. my focus... You know, the more I learn about the history of it and, and, and the laws are changing. I mean, I, I, I open up, you know, Google Plus and Facebook and the news and I'm seeing articles that this is changing, that's changing. Now they can give it in school, you know, they can give it to kids in school in Colorado. So it's, it's constantly changing as to what, oh, sorry, no, that was Illinois, wrong state. So you see what I'm saying? Like, it's every state is changing because they have the capability since it's federally illegal, every state can make their own laws surrounding cannabis. So I'll just get back to quickly my story a little bit and then delve into why I'm doing what I'm doing. So I learned about cannabis. I delved into the science. I took certifications. I delved into the history. And I'll talk a little bit about that because that's mind-blowing. I mean, it's, it's been the biggest kept secret for such a long time. And once you go back, and I have a ton of resources I'll share with you all, your mind, you're going to be like, whoa, really? It's like, it's like the hidden, it's a treasure that's been hidden. Um, so I started to learn about it and it took a year and a half for me to start to feel better. And I remember sitting on the couch when I had all my cannabis plant and my, you know, all the paraphernalia and the medicine and I was learning and taking notes and I was sitting there and I was looking at all of it and I said, gosh, if I can figure this out, you could call me the green nurse, <laughs> right? Joking. You know, I'll be the green nurse. I'll help other people. And let me tell you, once I started to feel better, I'm like, I have to do this. I have to be the green nurse, you know, and it's because this is a way that I can now get back to helping people in a different way. All everything that I've ever done as a nurse has come full circle to incorporate mind, body, spirit. 
And what we like to do is we're teaching bio, psycho, social, spiritual aspects of healing and that it requires all of it. You know, you, you need to plug in. And when people have come to us as nurses now that we're taking care of, they, they're, they're coming as a last resort. They're coming broken with no hope. And, you know, you know, and when I talk to them about the different things that they've been doing, they'll say, no, physical therapy didn't work. Chiropractic care didn't work. Meditation never works. Yoga, forget it. I could never get on the mat. Walking, how, how could, I can't even walk to the bathroom. So everything I can't enjoy sitting in, I can't enjoy anything. People are suffering. And so I found that connecting with them in a way from a place of, I've, I've been there. And the most sacred question I ask my patients is this, what is most important to you? And how do you want to feel, right? And how can I help you get there, <laughs> right? Like seriously, because it's, it's learning. How can I help you get there? Let's take a journey. Let me take your hand. And it doesn't need to be scary, you know? Um, and, it's, and cannabis is very personal, it's different for everyone. One size fits all doesn't work. There's a lot of, I call it trial and error. But the good news about the error is this, it will not kill you. There have been zero recorded deaths from cannabis in history. It's been used for over 10,000 years. Um, so that's one of the journeys I, I take with patients is handholding. And once they start to feel better, that's when I start reintroducing the other tools. So for example, um, meditation, forget it. Someone feels better. Okay. I can teach you how to do a five minute meditation right on the phone. That's it. And then you can even shorten it and people are, they're open to it. Once you can shine off, I call shine off a nugget in the brain to pull them out of the trajectory of the story of being really sick and suffering. We start to look for the silver lining and the different things that we can do to help people feel better. And um, so I, I started this company, um, the Green Nurse Group. Um, and what we are is we're a nonprofit. I call it a nonprofit whole health consulting agency. And we focus on teaching cannabinoid therapeutics and how cannabis can be used as a tool to manage symptoms of chronic illness as well as promote wellness. Um, and we teach that through the platform. We, um, we were given the opportunity from Cannabis Radio Network to um, have our own show called The Green Nurse Show. And it's myself and my medical director. Her name is Dale Buckman. She's currently getting her PhD um, in nursing. And um, we work together very well as a team. Um, and what we're doing is we're bringing stories, real live stories of people um, that have used cannabis as a tool. And we're focusing on different diseases for each show, different symptoms. Um, we're bringing on um, people in the industry that are supporting cannabis, and we're trying to really decrease stigma. Um, what we've started doing is specific dispensaries in Massachusetts, there's one in particular, um, is having us come and we do green nurse group days where we meet their patients, we talk to them, we educate them, and then we help them looking at the menu that's available. They make choices based on the ed education that we provide them. So we're empowering them to make decisions for themselves and it's tapping into how do you feel how do you want to feel let's learn about the plant and what's in it and how those specific things can help you reach the state of wellness that you're looking for um does that make sense 
It does. Now, I've got a question, but sure. maybe we should get into the history of um, cannabis first. Yeah. And yeah. We'll go, because you said it goes back yeah. about 10,000 years. That's, I that's a lot of history. It, it, over 10,000 years ago, um, even in China, it was, I mean, it has been used for everything throughout the years. I mean, it can be used for, you know, we have, what is it? The hemp itself. Hemp stalks can be used for animal bedding, bedding mulch, chemical absorbent, fiberboard, insulation, concrete, rope, netting, canvas, biocomposites, non-wovens, clothes, shoes, bags, biofuel, ethanol, paper products, cardboard, filters, fuel, ink, paint, dressings, body products, animal food, um, can be used, the nuts can be used for bread, granola, cereal, milk, protein powder. It's, it's, it's endless. I could just go on and read. You know, what they say is they said that one acre of hemp can produce 300 gallons of oil. That's a lot, right? So it's been used for a very long time. I mean, some of the statistics we have or the numbers that I have here, you know, hemp seeds in 6,000 BC, used for food in China used to be made in textiles. The first recorded use of cannabis as medicine was by a Chinese emperor. Um, and he used it as a hallucinogen. <laughs> he used it to increase his appetite and as a gastrointestinal tonic. This has been documented. Um, 800 BC, bang. Okay, that's, a, that's another, it's another word for cannabis. It's the dried cannabis leaves and seeds. And um, it was used, it's, a, it's one, of, one of five sacred plants in India. Um, and it's been used in India as medicine and as ritual, you know, part of their, you know, spiritual rituals. Then it, it's been used around the world. I mean, I was looking at the dates here. In China, in 1500 BC, hemp, food, fiber, clothes. Russia, hemp rope. Greece, hemp rope, prescribed as medicine. In Israel, in 300 BC, it was used for childbirth. Okay, so we're going on and on. China, and pay for paper. England, 100 BC. Hemp rope in England. The French used to bury people in hemp cloth, <laughs> right? The Vikings used to take hemp rope and seeds to Iceland. So this started to travel around the world. And so that's, when we look at how cannabis is cultivated and the different strains and the different, you know, um, effects that it have, it's been transferred to different areas around the world and it, how it is grown and cultivated a lot of times determines its effect. Um, here, I'm going to go on. There's some more stuff that's really cool. So I'm going to talk about um, the United States really quick. This is a big one. Okay, sure. In 1619, okay, America had its first marijuana law. They were ordered all farmers that had farms must grow hemp. Okay, so this is this. So this is this is this is really important. So basically, what ended up happening was that they were able to use hemp for all of the things that we just talked about and it was considered to be legal tender from 1631 into the 1800s farmers could grow hemp and use it as money why they did it because so people would grow it right you could pay your taxes with it um and it basically what did they say to in 1840 in the united states medicinal cannabis preparations were available doctors were prescribing it um, 
the Irish physician did research in a medical journal. This was in the, in the 1800s. There was drug companies in the United States, some of them people know of. And I actually have a nurse colleague of mine who's a little bit older. Um, she, her father would have been like over 100, like I think 110 right now. And he was a pharmacist and he carried it. And Eli Lilly, Park Davis, Tilden's brothers, the Smith brothers, Squibb, and, and it, American and Euro company, European companies and apothecaries carried these cannabis tinctures. So they've been used for a long time. Um, in 1850, in the United States, it was added to the USA Pharmacopeian, Pharmacopeia. Um, and in the 1800s, they counted over 8,500 plantations that were growing hemp. And this is just in the United States. So what happens, okay? So between 1815 and 1915, cannabis was used throughout the United States. It was used as medicine, fiber, fuel food okay it, you could purchase it in pharmacies and stores so what ends up happening is in the in 1906 um, the united states actually passed a law which regulated the labeling of alcohol opiates cocaine cannabis among others so this started what ended up happening is as the american revolution and we started um progressing um, food processing, agriculture, companies, the Industrial Revolution. It was used widely, but what ended up happening was we have textile industries such as um, um, paper mills. You know, the, the history behind it is that um, they created, there's a, there's a guy that created, his name is Leister Dewey. He created paper made from hemp pulp. And they concluded in this study that hemp overall would be more sustainable and we would be able to provide more using that. So basically this was threatening to other, um, other companies that were creating plastic, um, that were creating other types of oil, that were creating you know, lumber and timber. It was a competition. So they ended up doing a propaganda campaign in the um, 1936 called Reefer Madness. And it was basically, they changed the verbiage from cannabis to marijuana. And they basically linked that to the Mexican Revolution. So starting to stigmatize and bring in, um, you know, just stigmatize and, and really prejudice. Um, and um, the campaign basically led to um, the Tax Act in 1937, which criminal, criminalized cannabis. Um, and when, it, and when, when that happened, there was a, a doctor from the American uh, Medical Association that went to Congress, and he basically said that there was no evidence that can cannabis is a dangerous drug, and it, and it holds a lot of promise. And, and basically, he said that they lose sight of the fact that future investigations can, can actually help the growth and development of medicine and they ignored him, and they still prohibited it. Um, 1941, they removed it from the, you know, from the medical pharmacopoeia. But then again, as we go on, the government has a patent on it. In 2003, the government has a patent on cannabis as a neuroprotectant and an antioxidant. So here we have, now you can see the polarity of what's going on behind the scenes and what's actually happening.
You know, see, we have all this history that's being squashed because of the industrial revolution. Things are being, words are being changed around, the propaganda campaign for money. It's all about making money. So you, you mentioned around 1905, there was the start of the change. That was pretty much the time when cars started going on roads. Yes. And, and because, but because cannabis is a hallucinoid, that may have been a reason why they want to regulate it, surely, and, and alcohol as well. Yes. You, don't, you wouldn't want to be driving while you're drunk, for example. Yes. But I'll tell you really quickly about the plant is that hemp, you cannot get high on hemp. Hemp is completely non-intoxicating. So, and just so you know, the cars, Henry Ford's first car was made out of hemp. <laughs> so, yeah, so you, you, cannot, you cannot get high. It is, there is no THC in hemp. Industrial. You mentioned industrial. So hemp is different to the cannabis that the Romans were using to hallucinate, to reach so, their so spiritual... Yeah, so it's classified. So you have the cannabis sativa plant, and, and, and basically they classify that. That gets broken down, and you have hemp, okay, which is considered, if you have 0.3% or less, they consider that of THC, they consider that to be hemp. But there's industrial hemp, which is actually grows very, very tall. And that's what's good for food, fuel, fiber, textiles. That has just a little bit of CBD in it, but it doesn't have the medicinal benefits as much as the cannabis sativa plant CBD. So they can, so you can cultivate a plant and breed it down to get the psychoactivity of the THC below the 0.3%. So you can still have the full cannabinoid profile with the highest medicinal benefit without the intoxicating effects that THC brings. Okay. So is that a, a new breed? Is that the right word to use? A new strain of, yeah. new strain of cannabis? Or has it, because historically it did have the effects of intoxication. Yes, historically so it does. Been... Um, but I'll tell you, one of the things I, I teach when I'm working with people is if you take the plant and you grow it and you pick it out of the ground, there is not one thing in that plant that is intoxicating unless you heat it. There is only one, okay, so the cannabis plant has over 400 constituents, 100 which have been identified. You know, it's, it has the um, antioxidants, the bioflavonoids, it has the cannabinoids, it has the terpenes. So out of all of that, out of all of those, let's just say 400, there's only one of them that is intoxicating and it is only intoxicating if you heat it. So with that being said, there is a great huge potential for medicinal benefits with cannabis even if you don't have to without the intoxicating effects because the majority of the patients that i see will come to me and they'll say i don't want to get high I, I just i don't want to get high and my first question to them is i always have to educate is i'll say have you ever been high and do you know what that means and then i educate them on the plant and i tell them that there are ways to use cannabis without getting high and it just requires me to educate you and 
basically the raw plant itself is not intoxicating. So I really think that juicing cannabis is going to be the future. I, I, I truly, wheatgrass juice, I'll give you an example. I love nutrition. Two ounces of wheatgrass juice is equivalent to four pounds of green vegetables. That's amazing, <laughs> right? So, and there've been incredible stories. I had a client or actually not a patient, a colleague of mine who is a patient, not of mine. She was on, we did a show last night on chronic Lyme disease and chronic Lyme disease is the great mimicker. It mimics all other diseases and it, and it really wreaks havoc with your body because of, of the type of bacteria that gets, you know, embedded all over your body and juicing. She would juice five fan leaves the leaves of the cannabis, not even the flower. And that provided her medicine. And she was able to bring herself into remission where she could function. So there's a lot of different ways where patients and people can use cannabis. And it all comes down to that question that I ask them is, what's important to you and how do you want to feel? So if we don't have access to the raw plant, there's other things that we can use. And one of the things is the CBD. And the CBD um, is, is, the, is one of the non-intoxicating, you know, one of all of the other ones that are non-intoxicating that has an amazing therapeutic benefit. Um, and it is, um, it, is, it is just, I haven't, it's worked with everything that I've, I've ever, that I've, all the patients that I've ever worked with. But sometimes, you know, it's not just that, but it's other things. What does it do? It's an anti-inflammatory. It's an antiviral. It's an antimicrobial. It is um, an anti-anxiety agent. It's a mood elevator. It reduces inflammation. Um, it's a neuroprotectant. Um, oh, what else does it do? It basically, it modulates and it actually helps control, I, I like to say in, in, in other terms, how other cannabinoids in the plant work. So for example, and I'll just kind of get into the physiology really quickly of our body. So we have a system in our body called the endocannabinoid system. Imagine an umbrella and at the top of the umbrella, that little spoke up there, I want you to label endocannabinoid system. <laughs> and the other umbrella on the other spokes of the umbrella are, are other systems. For example, our um, cardiovascular system, our respiratory system, our gastrointestinal system, our central nervous system, um, our immune system, our, um, go on, our reproductive system. And so this system controls all of the other systems. How does it do that? It tries to bring it back to balance. So the endocannabinoid system is the largest neurotransmitter signaling system in our bodies. It provides messages. So if you think about, we have all of these cells with little locks. The cannabis, the cannabinoids are the keys and they go in and unlock and provide messages. So cannabis is actually a tool to go in and to stimulate our body and the different receptors in our different systems to start doing things. So I'll call it like the pinball. So the cannabis plant goes in and you have all of these cannabinoids going around and I like to call it the intelligence of the plant for our complex bodies. The plant knows what to do. It goes where it needs to go, does what it needs to do to bring homeostasis and balance back to our bodies they still don't, don't know a lot about it. There's still a lot of research that hasn't been done. But 
what I know is that once you start to use it, so part of it is not only learning about the plant, but learning how your body responds to it. It's complicated, but when you're doing it with someone and you're, and you're learning about it when you go along, it, it's a journey. And, and everyone has been helped that I've, that I've ever worked with, the CBDs in particular. Um, because the CBDs are non-intoxicating, and um, were you going to say something? Yes, I, I was just going to ask you just to take a step back because you're very familiar with Barada and CBD, and uh, myself and, and others may not be. And so what is CBD? Is CBD a plant? Is it the oil that's extracted oh. from the plant? So CBD, yes, it's a cannabinoid. So what we have, I'm going to show you a little um, diagram. Let me just put it up really quickly here. I don't know if you can see that. So what we have here, these are the different cannabinoids. So a okay. cannabinoid, I'm going to just call it in, uh, a plant vitamin. Okay, so the plant has a lot of cannabinoids in them. CBD is one of them. So the CBD is part, is like the second most abundant. We have THC and CBD, and they generally okay. work very well together. THC is intoxicating and can be psychoactive, while CBD is non-intoxicating. They work really well together though. Having a balance or a ratio of T, you know, CBD, THC ratio, depending upon the types of symptoms that you wanna work with. It also, how we determine who and how much CBD people take is dependent upon everything else they're doing in their life. So when I'm working with a patient, it's just not about their diagnoses. It's just not about their symptoms, but it's about what is your stress like in your life? What is going on in your life? Are you working? How are you sleeping? What are you eating? How much water are you drinking? Are you connected to, you know, how is it that you want to live your life? And let's work on that together. And it's really personal. But CBDs, full spectrum CBD has been, has and had an amazing medicinal benefit. And it is part of the cannabis plant. CBD can be isolated from the hemp plant. Industrial hemp, you can extract CBD. The problem with that, if you're going to use industrial hemp, um, as your CBD source is you wanna make sure that it's tested because industrial hemp tends to be a great bioaccumulator, which means it can pull up toxins from the ground and heavy metals, which is great because it cleans the soil, but you're gonna, you have those toxins and heavy metals in your plant. So um, that's industrial hemp CBD and, it, and it's an isolate. So the other thing too is CBD can be isolated into one form. The other is when they, they grow the cannabis sativa plant to, to have a low THC content, right? 0.3% or less. And that's considered to be a CBD dominant strain plant. And they do the extraction of the oil to make it into medicine. Okay. And so the medicine itself has got no hallucinative. No, I, no, no, no. No. Can you feel euphoric from CBD? I wouldn't call it an intoxicating euphoria, but you feel good. Okay, here, I'm going to give you an example. I had a couple of patients, actually one in particular, she called me up and she said, Sherry, I don't know what I'm feeling. I feel funny. And I'll say to her, funny good, funny bad, or funny I've never felt that before. Funny I've never felt that before. So one of the things I had to work with her on was, 
she's so used to not feeling good that she was uncomfortable feeling good. So she had to work through feeling good. People are so used to suffering that once they start to have relief, they panic. So once we were able to talk through that, she was like, this is unbelievable. I cannot believe that I'm having relief that fast. Um, there was another patient who she actually took a very high THC product. Okay, and this is the interesting piece. So you would think that she would be intoxicated. So she had a nice high THC product for her pain. She also had some complementary CBD. Okay, not an exact ratio, but I would probably say she had more THC. So she had two parts THC, one part CBD. And when she consumed it, she described the pain leaving her body over a course of 15 minutes in detail. And then afterwards, she started crying. She was sobbing. She goes, I cannot believe I've waited so long for this. And she goes, Sherry, I don't know what it means to be high, but boy, I know what it means to feel good again. And that's the part that I always like to teach people is that just because THC is psychoactive and intoxicating, it doesn't mean that it's going to affect you that way when you take it, right? And if you do have a little bit too much THC on board and you are feeling uncomfortably high, that's where CBD works. CBD is a great mitigator of intoxicating feelings, meaning that you can take some CBD and it kind of bumps the THC off of the receptors in the brain to help bring you down a little bit, calm you. Um, so in the, in the medicine, it works, it works really good. Really good. So how do you, so is it normally an oil? Oh gosh, this, yeah. So there's, so there's a lot of different ways you can use cannabis. So the plant grows and when it flowers, it, it's, it's, a, it's a flower. So they, they cure it and you can smoke that. People break it off, they roll it up, they can smoke it into joints, they can put it into bongs, they can put it into steamers, it's called vaporizing, so they can take the flour and steam the oil. Um, they actually do extractions where they extract the oil for people to vaporize. They also do extractions to make the oil for people to do tinctures. Um, and that's, I, I really, with, with patients that I'm working with um, that are really, really sick, I, I discourage smoking. I'm not saying smoking is bad because it's not. It's appropriate in specific situations. But when the patients that I'm working with are really, really sick and really suffering, and like I said, I work with them and meet them where they are as to how to medicate. And it's, and it's easier to titrate doses when you're using the tinctures and the oils um, because it's, because you're not waiting around, you know, because when you're using, oh, and then you can eat it. So cannabis can be put into food. Um, so they call it edibles, you know, um, they take extracts and they cook it into foods and they have specific milligrams and specific concentrations. So cannabis can be smoked, vaporized, eaten. Um, it can be used as suppositories, vaginal suppositories, rectal suppositories. I've had, I've seen people put it um, up their nose. I've had patients put oil on um, wounds, on cancer. Full extract cannabis oil is a really, really potent oil. It's where they actually take the plant in an alcohol extraction, extract all the cannabinoids out of the plant into the, into the um, alcohol, and then they burn the solvent off, and you're left with this thick black grease. So it's full extract cannabis oil. It generally has a very high THC content or CBD or both. And all of the other cannabinoids 
and you only need the size of a rice grain, that is really, really, really potent medicine. And people don't need much of it. So we teach how to take the strongest, the strongest medicine in the least amount to provide the most medicinal benefits with the least intoxicating effects that people can function. So yes, there's all different ways that people can do it. Even lotions, creams, salves, sprays, rubs, um, like a spray, <laughs> right? They have, you know, there's, there's all different kinds of, of ways to medicate waters. Um, what they're doing over here now is they're actually having um, infused dinners, CBD infused dinners. So they're making it social, tea. I have tea bags with cannabis leaves in it. And it ha because it also has the other cannabinoids and the heat activates it a little bit. So the, the realm of cannabis and hemp and CBD is so vast and so extensive and it's, and it's gonna continue to expand. You know, as it becomes more accepted and, and the stigma decreases and more that people see the medicinal benefits and hear the stories. Hear the stories from the patients and from the nurses and from the providers um, as to how that this can make an impact, you know, in your life. Can we talk a bit, Sheree, about the benefits that it provides? Uh, we've talked, when you do give your talk, you're talking in general terms, but is it for controlling pain? Is oh, it to actually yeah. reverse conditions? Yes. So um, there's over 100 conditions that it's, it, it's medically approved for. But I can honestly tell you, like when I was doing my, um, we were on the show last night and we were doing a Lyme disease, talking about Lyme disease and how it's the, the great imitator. And Lyme disease affects every single aspect of your body. So if you can think of, if we, can, we can just, we can focus on one system if we want. But if you think about it focusing, it being in all different systems of the body, when she took that full extract cannabis oil or the raw plant, she was getting all of the cannabinoids and it was going where it needs to go. So specific symptoms that I've seen it work with, absolutely, I've seen it work with all different kinds of pain. Like we're talking refractory pain. There was a, a, one of the patients called in last night on the phone and he started taking cannabis oil um, mid-June and in two months he was completely off of all of his opiates, off of all of its opiates, all of his, off of his neurotin, off of, I mean, like cold turkey. And he can walk. So this was a man in, in, in six to eight weeks that was able to get himself off of narcotics for chronic pain due to Lyme disease. And then at the same time, it started to do other things that he wasn't expecting, like helping his rash. You know, he would get rashes and he was itchy. And it's because of how it works in our body. So if you think we have the endocannabinoid system that regulates every other system in our body, it helps, it helps regulate eating, sleeping, eat, sleep, forget, rest, protect right? So, you know, it helps regulate appetite. Um, it helps regulate sleep-wake cycles. Um, it helps modulate pain and how we experience pain. A lot of different ways, depending upon the way that you take it. You know, if you're using it as a salve, it, it soaks into your skin receptors and it acts as like a local anesthetic, um, you know, as to eating it. So, you know, the different methods of administration also um, determine how you're, it's, you're, it's going to affect you. Um, and um, what else? Now, um, I've had some questions in from uh, Bev Wright. She's 
over in sunny New Zealand. But if you've asked a few questions, which I'll answer at the end of the summer because they're pertaining to spooky. But the last question I can ask Sheree, I'll, um, now Bev is saying that she's been told many times that inhaling the oil would do good for your lungs. Um, oh, okay. So are we talking, okay, we're not talking about the smoking a joint. So you're talking about vaporizing the oil, correct? I guess this is what Bev is talking about. And it looks like Bev isn't a smoker, so she's concerned that there will be some form of intoxicating effect. Okay, it, okay, so it depends upon what you're smoking. So they, they do have the capability, of, there is CBD only oil. They can extract the CBD. There's a couple of companies that actually do it, fully extract the CBD, and it's in a little cartridge that you put on a vaporizer pen. And what the vaporizer pen does is it steams the oil. So people, I explain vaporizing is you imagine you have a big pot of water on the stove, and you start boiling it, and all the steam comes up. It's very similar. So you're vaporizing the oil um, instead of burning it. You know, it heats it up and it steams it. Is it going to hurt you? No, it's not. Anything that you do too much isn't good. But CBD is actually is really really good. Um, people have quit smoking. People have um, get off of nicotine. Um, CBD vaporizing is is. I like CBD vaporizing as a rescue and for specific conditions and for what people need. Smoking, I have, there's a couple of patients that I've actually worked with and you'll be very surprised. There's one of them in particular that actually does smoke cannabis to relieve symptoms. And, um, but he uses a water bong. So it's a cold water bong. So the, the smoke that he gets in is actually cool and not burning. And what it does for him is it opens up his airways. Right? So if it's anti-inflammatory, it dilates the vessels in his lungs and it improves gas exchange. It actually helps him breathe better, right? Which is, it's counterintuitive to what you would think, but because it's medicine. Um, and he, you know, and he likes to use the flower because it has all of the cannabinoids in it, um, particularly, and basically, the, the, the thing with, with him is that he only needs to do it once. That's it. And he, he uses the other oil. So this for him is a rescue. Like if he's, instead of using his inhaler, right, or his puffer or steroids, he'll go do a bong hit, a cool bong hit. And, and that's better for him because then what else does that do for him? It decreases his anxiety. It improved his mood. And he went and had something to eat. Right? So, you know, it was supporting other areas of his body as opposed to doing one puffer that's just doing one thing. That's the part that's interesting about cannabis is that because of the, 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 all the different cannabinoids in it, it goes and works on, on multiple things at the same time that you don't even know about, you know? And, and when I'm working, you know, the biggest thing that I work with patients on is their pain. Because it's the chronic pain, the insomnia, the anxiety, and the depression. It's all cyclical. So once we can get people sleeping, they get the restorative sleep, and they wake up. Okay, so then we get pain relief, sleeping. That automatically, anxiety decreases. They're feeling better. They can start doing more. Depression goes away. People start to interact more. They start to live more. They start to get out more. It's so it's basically you work with, we handhold and work with one thing, and then all of the other things seem to just fall into place on its own. 
it's almost as if we work on one symptom or one thing to help manage all of the others. It's the entourage effect. The sum of the whole, this is what the plant does, is better than its individual parts. So that's, that's why we love whole plant medicine as opposed to individual pulling it apart. A question from Robin Werner. There's a question that she sent in via Facebook. She's asking, is the high percentage CBD better for cancer and health? Uh, I guess she's asking, is it, does it have to be very strong CBD? Um, well, you ha okay, so it depends upon what's going on in your body as to how much what you need. But you, the most important thing when, you, when you're looking at any type of product is you want to look at potency, for sure. You want to look at the, the labeling, whether where it's grown, how it's grown. Does it have pesticides? Does it have chemicals? All of that other stuff. But when it, when it comes to the potency, what I truly feel in my experience with myself and with the patients I've worked with, and everyone's different, is that the oils, the full extract oils, the black, dark, greasy oils are the best. Um, it doesn't, it, I, and I, I, it's medicine. That and the tinctures, I find, are, are, are the best. And you're getting it in sublingually. It's getting in, you know, it's getting into your bloodstream. You're getting into your digestive tract. And there's always a way to make it work. I haven't seen it not work for anyone. It, it works if you work it. <laughs> you know, you have to learn about it. You have to learn about your body. Um, but um, the full extract cannabis oils, I find, are the best. And you can make those with a high CBD strain or you can make it with an indica strain or you can make it with a, you know, a sativa strain. Is one better than the other? Not necessarily. It depends upon the person. But if you're looking for the non-intoxicating effects, CBD dominant. The more CBD that you use when you're using cannabis is the less high you'll be. And some patients really need high, high doses of THC. So when I'm working with cancer patients, they need a lot of THC because it's the THC is what is considered to cause the apoptosis, which induces cell death. So the THC gets in there and boots out the mitochondria, which is the energy, and the cell starts to collapse and the cancer eats itself and it's gone. So it needs a ton. Our bodies need a lot of it. But it's really intoxicating. So the CBD helps mitigate that, decrease the intoxicating effects, you can get the high dose. But do, does everyone need a high dose? No. I'm going to tell you a story. Here's an amazing story. I got called by a um, hospice nurse and social worker. There was a um, a patient um, that was on hospice and she got her medical card. She went to the dispensary. She bought a bunch of stuff. She started taking it and all she did was sleep for five days. <laughs> so they said, you know, Sherry, can you come in and just show her how to do it? So I went in and we figured it out and we did a care plan together. She's 75 years old, stage four, um, stage four pancreatic cancer that was unresectable. She failed chemo, failed radiation. She'd come to terms that she was going to die, and she just wanted to have a high quality of life. She didn't want to be on all the narcotics. So we figured out a way to bridge the gap from what she wasn't getting from traditional medicine. She wasn't intoxicated. We got her feeling good, sleeping, and I just kept in touch with her week by week. In December, I get a phone call for her, and she says, Sherry, 
I just left my oncologist's office. He thinks I'm in remission. Really? Fantastic. Three months. And she wasn't taking a lot. Okay, so we're going from a person on hospice in three months' time going into remission. And then she says, Sherry, can you help me get off of all of my narcotics? And I said, well, the doctor needs to do the narcotic weaning, but I'll help you with the cannabis. So from December until February 9th, I remember the exact date, we got her completely off of her narcotics. A week later, she called me back and she says, it's completely undetectable. The cancer is undetectable. She goes, and she's, she's, an, she's an, an Italian woman. And she goes, Sherry, you, I need to go to Italy. I'm going to book my trip. So this patient graduated from hospice. She's no longer on hospice. She's living a life. She's in remission. No detection of the cancer. And, and, so, and this was something that was unexpected. Wasn't expecting this to happen. So it's just little by little, it was all, you know, my main thing when I work with patients is this, is I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to be there and I'm going to help you feel better. And that's mm. the best I can, can offer. Neville has asked a question. He says he's got multiple myeloma cancer diagnosed in April 2017. He's had chemotherapy. He's had stem cell transplants. And currently, his blood tests are clear. And he's just wondering if cannabis can help with a blood disorder, which he has. Yes, yes. I have a, I have a patient that I've um, worked with with multiple myeloma, actually. And, um, and she, what she uses, she uses a full-spectrum CBD oil. She takes it twice a day. Um, she still has the multiple myeloma, but it's not, I mean, she's not dying. Um, so yes, I've seen it used with chemotherapy. I've seen it used with, you know, lymphomas and, um, the multiply myeloma. I, I actually work with the patient. So she does a full spectrum CBD and she does a THCA oil. And what that is, it's the raw part of the cannabis. So they, they extract the raw plant into an oil using a cold extraction. So the THC is non-intoxicating. And those are the two things that she uses um, daily. And, you know, and she's, she's not cured, but her symptoms are being managed and she's living a high quality life. If you take THC and you don't heat it, do you get intoxicated? So THC, it has to be decarboxylated. So it needs to be activated. So most of, so what, what if you don't heat it, well, THCA can convert into THC with age, heat, and time. So it starts to convert. So it's interesting. So this is like, I have this little chart. I love this. It's the life cycle of the cannabinoids. So the raw THCA, as it gets heated, it, trans, it, it converts. It drops the acid molecule. It's into THC, and that's intoxicating. Okay. And then as it, as it ages more... It converts into CBN, which is really, really sedating. So it depends upon, how, so I tell people, if you take the raw cannabis plant and you juice it right away, as it ages, it converts. It does convert. Yes, the okay. THCA converts into THC, which is psychoactive. Yes. But if I, just took a, if I just took a raw bud and ate it, I wouldn't get high. I would, you know what I mean? I wouldn't, I wouldn't be intoxicated. Okay, you've got to 
heated up in some way, you have to cook it in the oven or yeah, so you, yep. when people make things, you know, they decarboxylate it. You know, it's, it's interesting. I was making an oil for myself because I, I love, I use, I make um, cannabis infused coconut oil. So what I do is I take the flour and I'll put sprinkle it on a pan, right? And I cover it up with tin foil and I heat it for 30 minutes at 220 degrees. I let it sit there till it dries. I take all the flour and I put it into this machine with some coconut oil. And then I just let it do its thing. It just, you know, spins it and heats it. And then um, I strain it. And then I have a green coconut oil and I use that actually as a salve on my skin. I put it all over. It just, it's amazing. It's just, it's good for my face and my skin and, you know, um, you know, for any aches and pains. So instead of me buying it, I make it myself. Um, and that's, you know, and, and that's empowering too, teaching people how to make their own medicine, um, you know, using cannabis. Right. Now, because Cannabis, or cannabis has a stigma. Mm. It's a plant which can be grown, which can be dried, and then can be smoked to create highs. And it's not just uh, without reason that it was outlawed. I don't think it would have been purely because of taking profits from drug companies or you know people that can make sales from other types of drugs to control the things that cannabis can control. I think if, at one point in the 60s, when the young people were smoking a lot of marijuana, that wouldn't have helped the ca the cause the case for legalizing marijuana, would yeah. it? Because it's you know what it didn't, and that's that's the part that is a shame. <laughs> you know, it, was, it seriously it doesn't. What we're really hoping now is that um, the you know nursing the nursing profession is on board one hundred percent with cannabis. Um, there are some nurses that, that aren't educated, but, you know, the nursing profession has supported it for over 20 years, you know, the American Nurses Association. I'm actually a member of the American Cannabis as a Nurses Association, and there's another group in the United States called the Cannabis Nurses Network. And, um, you know, we are going to be the face of change um, because there are a lot of medical professionals that are out there that are using it to treat symptoms. And why are we going to be hypocrites about it? It works. You know, 80% of um, um, oncologists, you know, say approve of their patients using cannabis. They just can't talk to them about it. Um, and, so, you know, and, and that's a shame because they're, they're afraid, you know. And then there's some of them that don't have time to learn about it. And there's not, you know, so they've been brainwashed. And then some of the doctors won't do it because they're afraid that they're gonna, not going to be able to get insurance payments. You know, that their Medicare rights will be taken away. You know, so we're hoping as nurses, you know, being, you know, the most tr trusted profession in the world, you know, we act normally as liaisons between patients and other professionals in the community. You know, like working in the hospital, I remember I was the one that the doctors would say, do your patients need anything? Or the physical therapist would come up or the nutritionist would come up or, you know, the EEG or they would always come to the nurse as the main person. Well, I see nursing, again, being a face of change for this because it's another way um, to manage symptoms of chronic illness. And it can be a tool for wellness um, and trying to destigmatize that because it is so much safer than even a Tylenol, safer than Advil. Um, and the more people realize that, 
you know, you don't need to be high to feel good, or you don't need drugs to feel good. I mean, granted, I think, you know, the best thing of all is, is to use food as thy medicine, you know, mind, body, spirit, let nature take care of itself. But because of, you know, the, where, how we live today with technology and how fast we are and how busy we are and the fast foods, and we never have time to slow down, you know, we're, we're getting sick and sicker and sicker. And, um, and it's almost, and, and cannabis can be a really good tool if used in the right way um, to help manage diseases and use, be used as a preventative tool, a wellness tool. Gosh. Well, we're slowly seeing a change, aren't we? We're getting states in America that are legalizing the medicinal use of cannabis and some doing the recreational use. It's, it's interesting. I just I was looking up the numbers, and as of now, um, nine states in the United States have approved medical and recreational, Massachusetts being one of them. That's where I reside. And 30 states are now approved medically. Um, Statistics in, I think it was 2017, that said over 65% of Americans approved of using medical cannabis. And I, and I think that's more now. Um, the more stories that are being told, the more people that are coming out of the closet, and the more that people realize that we deserve to feel good. It's okay. That this is, you know, if you're using alcohol to feel good or you're using other drugs to feel good, this is something that's not going to kill you. And it has other benefits that's going to support your body, you know, it's, it's, it wasn't meant to be abused and, you know, and, and you, we can't control what people do. There's always going to be people that are going to want to abuse things, but truly when you look at the, the, what the plant has to offer, it's much more than anything that ever, that, that exists out there. Um, you know, that what it has to offer, um, it, it save the planet, you know, save lives, <laughs> relieve suffering, <laughs> right? Yes, yes, that's a great cause. If you can tell people, please, just before you end, the website. Oh, the sure. Green. So I want to can... give you guys a, a few tools here. So um, the website is greennursegroup.com. I can type that in if you want. Oh, I think with people that are watching this video afterwards, it'll be a bit hard oh, for them to see what you're yeah, so Greennursegroup.com. Okay. Then on Facebook, we have um, Green Nurse Group Facebook page. We also have Green Nurse Radio Facebook page. We have a YouTube channel. <laughs> and um, we're on Cannabis Radio Network um, on Facebook as well. And it's myself. Um, Dale Buckman is my um, medical director, clinical nurse practitioner. She does certifications. We do a shared decision model. We work with patients together. And, um, we, and our focus is really teaching um, health and wellness, utilizing the biopsychosocial spiritual approach and a shared decision model for health and wellness. Um, it's fantastic. And it's nonprofit as well. Not nonprofit yeah, because non you can't make money. Nonprofit because you don't want to make money. <laughs> well, no, it's basically, you know, because we, we honestly, we, we're going to, we depend upon um, people to help us to get the message out. You know, that's part of why we're doing the radio show is, you know, is to get sponsors so we can educate. We plan on actually, we just started, I just started planning for our documentary. We are going to be doing a documentary um, called Green Nurse on the Go. 
And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be touring and um, speaking to patients and providers and nurses and doctors and, and, and having people share their stories of how cannabis has improved the quality of their life. Um, and also are going to be working with people in the community that offer cannabis, they have a cannabis friendly environment, meaning that they're open to cannabinoid therapeutics as a tool, whether you've been using it medicinally or recreationally. And we want to bring that information on a grander scale to make it normal. You've know? got big plans. But yeah. just smoking in general, how it destroys people's lives smoking with the damage it does to your lungs and things. But if you can take the CBD oil yep. without inhaling the, any smoke, if you can take it sublingually, perhaps. Yep, sublingually. They, they, so you can do sublingual, you can do in pill form, you can do it in yeah. salves. They do have vaporizer. Sure. I mean, I, you know, for me, you, know, you got to think about when someone's really, really sick and doesn't feel good, they don't want to feel worse. So th th that's, it was interesting when I was sitting at a dispensary and we were doing, I never knew, I never knew, I never knew I could feel so good and not be high. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, cause I know what it feels like to be high. I know what it feels like to feel good. And I know what it feels like to feel horrible and to feel good and, and to ha and to be able to attribute that to cannabis plus other things that I can do now, because it's not yes. just the cannabis without the cannabis. I wouldn't be able to go work out. It would hurt too much. Right. I wouldn't be eating yes. as good as I am now because my body couldn't tolerate it. It's a really good question from Charlotte, and I'd like to ask you it. Her question is this, um, does cannabis cause lung cancer? I guess if you smoke cannabis is really the thing. Does it, well, I'm does going to tell you an interesting story. So there is a patient that um, actually smoked cigarettes and smoked cannabis. Yes. She ended up getting lung cancer, mm. but the lung cancer was encapsulated, meaning that it wasn't spreading. And they think, theory is, that the cannabis that he was using encapsulated it. So possibly that the cigarettes may have caused the cancer and in the, in the cannabis is preventing it from spreading. Have I heard of, I have never heard of um, cannabis causing lung cancer. I haven't heard of cannabis causing any cancer for that matter. Okay. And as the, one of the things I've been reading about is cannabis causing long-term brain damage. Is this oh. a scare tactic? Yes. I'll tell you the reason why. Because cannabis yeah. is a patented by the United States government as a neuroprotectant, which means that it protects our brain cells. So if something is a neuroprotectant, it's protecting our nerve cells. It protects our brain cells. We have receptors in our brain. It's called CB1 receptors. So if we have receptors in our brain that the cannabis plant can plug into the different cannabinoids, right? So you think about it, it's there for a reason. It, it, the, the receptors are there to accept the plant. So it's, and it's a neuroprotectant. It's been used, it's been used in Alzheimer's it's being used in seizures. It's being used in ADHD. It's being used on the um, children that have, um, that are on the spe uh, autism spectrum disorder. It's used for ADHD. Um, so it, it actually, it opens up creativity. Um, people have been able to, have been, got, have gotten off of 
ADHD medications, benzodiazepines for anxiety agents, children that are, be, are placed on all of these drugs, once they start the you know, full spectrum CBD oil, they're coming off of them and they're functioning better. So no, it does, it does not okay. kill the brain cells. But this is scary here. It must be able to cross the blood brain barrier. Yep. Well, here's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you one thing about the whole thing with the, um, the brain cell thing. Because okay. can cannabis ha impair memory? And the answer is yes. But to the patient that has post-traumatic stress disorder, that's a component that they want. They want their memory. They, they don't want to remember. They want to be present and in the moment. So for the post-traumatic stress patient, having the ability to forget and be present in the moment is therapeutic for them. So there's always... Uh when we're looking at medicinal benefits of cannabis, you need to look at the different cannabinoids, the different terpenes and the different constituents that make up that particular strain and how you're medicating. Okay, so that's tailored. Now Charlotte does mention that there was a, yeah, a, t a teen year old girl in... Yes. Uh, yes, uh, yes I, know, I know her. Yep. In Texas, uh, she's saying that she gained more benefit from CBD oil for her epilepsy than the drugs that she was taking. Yes. And the doctors told her to go to Colorado and get what she needed to help her, which is quite open, isn't it? It's quite... Yes, because I I'm going to tell you, I had a, um, not this past week's show, but last week's show, I had on um, a mother with her son. Same thing, he has, um, he has epilepsy on a lot of seizures. And there's videos of him showing him what he was like on the drugs, having the seizures, a zombie, completely like a human shell just existing. Yes. And she put him on cannabis oil. And to see the difference, to see a child laugh for the first time ever is amazing. Exciting times indeed ahead. Thank you so much, Sheree, for coming on to our show. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> okay, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.